from the Conquer Risk Podcast, this is Build in Public with Potomac. Welcome to Build in Public. I'm Christopher Norton, joined as always by Martina Bita and Jordan Cordner. Welcome, everybody. How's so, it going? Good, good. Um, <laughs> we've done a pretty good job on this show of talking about some of our wins, trying out some new technology live, but it's not all podcasts and classic cars, AUM celebrations, and Manish memes in our marketing department. Occasionally, we have a miss, and a couple of months ago, we had a pretty big one. That's okay, as long as you learn from it, which is what we're here to do today, and hopefully we can learn something about what went wrong and and provide something of value to advisors so they don't make the same mistake that we did. Uh, let me set the stage. So the last episode of this podcast, we talked about the cereal boxes, which I think we all agree can be a success. Yes. Or was a success, I should say. Um, both, both as just a great campaign, but also just how to harness the power of social media. While we were working on that, we had been for months planning to rebrand Potomac and build a new website. This involved a, a, a couple of different things. We wanted to change the logo. Manish thought it was time to drop fund management from the logo, even though it's part of our name and obviously a big part of what we do, but it's not the only thing we do. And it was starting to pigeonhole us a bit when people saw Potomac fund management. So we made it cleaner like Facebook and just Potomac and updated the, the pinwheel color scheme that we used to have <laughs> no more orange. Um, and and the forest green that was right out of the era of that rebrand and just went with the the gold color that we use those the the different parts of the carabiner as jeff calls it used to represent different things but we haven't told that story that way in years and it, it was just time to to make that update to our brand we also wanted to revise our website the site that we had I led a team that rebuilt that two years ago now, and Potomac's business model has completely evolved. And I always thought it was a testament to that site that it lasted as long as it did because to completely change different elements of your business model and go through all those changes and, and have the site not only survive, but be able to adapt and change, I, I thought was great. But it was time. It was time to take a step back and say, how can we better tell this story? How can we refine our messaging now that we've grown? And how can we reorganize the site a little bit? So that was the plan. We were going to do the rebrand, the new site. We had engaged a writer. And we were going we to roll that out over the summer, making all of these changes. Somewhere along the way, we decided it would be really nice to have all of these things in place when the serial came out. So let's just get it done. So I went dark on the two of you for like two weeks. And I was like, just get it, just get it done, get it out. I'm going I'm to get the website built. And got the primary pages basically facelifted in with our new messaging so that when the campaign hit, the new site was there. And that was nice. That was a nice to have that we were able to do for the campaign. And 
great brand alignment. And I was happy with that until it wasn't. It was a horrible idea to try and cram that very important and very big project in to a couple of weeks to get it out in time for a campaign because of all of the things that, that were missed and weren't done ahead of that website launch. So Jordan, I'm going to pick on you first. What was the state of the SEO research you had were working on when we launched the new site beyond just the, the primary copy? Yeah, well, honestly, I think with the website that we launched, the backend stuff that I was doing, I don't think it affected it all that much. But I think what really hurt was the site speed. With the new website, there's a lot of images and a lot of really heavy stuff because we prioritize user experience and it's a beautiful site. But when we do that, we also have to figure out how can we do that while making sure the site is running smoothly. And That's a phenomenal point. We were, we were ranking it like an eight um, out of 100, I think, for site speed. <laughs> And yeah. it's improved. Um, we've done a number of things after the fact to compress images, to strip out some unnecessary co code, to remove some of the unnecessary animations that, that were neat, but, but slowing things down. But again, this is something that we should have worked with on a developer ahead of time. And instead, we've been playing catch up ever since. And it's still not done from a site speed standpoint. There's still a bunch of work yet to be completed that is currently in development. Yeah, there's definitely still work to be done, but it's kind of a balancing act because it's just kind of the price you pay when you want to build out such a beautiful site like this. And speaking of of beautiful, um, Martina, are we finally done with the illustrations or <laughs> no? We're never going to be done in my opinion. I mean, there's always something that we're like, oh, shoot, we forgot about that. And it still has either the orange well, or random colors. And then we have to update it. And in, Basically and in, happens on a weekly basis. Specifically with those <laughs> illustrations, that wasn't just a choice. I just, I said, we don't have time to do this right now. And those illustrations were custom made for the, the previous website and something that I think is distinctly Potomac. And even though we've moved to a different style with our brand, something that I wanted to maintain, something I wanted to be able to use in different ways. We still have one on every one of our web pages. We use them a little bit more prominently in some of our, um, you know, specific landing pages for different things for strategies and things like that. Um, but we didn't have time to update the color scheme. So new website, new pretty colors, illustrations that look those. like they're from a different site because they were. Uh, <laughs> and as of this, this morning that we recorded this podcast, we finally have the primary pages updated. Yeah. Uh, so that was a challenge. And all of these little things really kind of add up to not creating the kind of brand experience that we wanted. But the biggest miss was we stole our own thunder. This was a big deal. We rebranded the firm. We refocused the messaging around who we are today. We took a lot of the different components of storytelling that we have used over the last two years and really refined it into this message of built to conquer risk. It ties into this podcast series that we do. It ties into how we run our strategies, what union is designed to do for advisors. All of it fits under this umbrella and it just got lost in cereal boxes and 
the potential that we had to do a separate campaign on the rebrand, on why, on the story that we're telling, it just, it just, it went right on by. And we, we, so we sh literally shot ourselves in the foot with, oh, by the way, here's this thing that we did that's a really big deal. I think the interesting part of that too, doing both of those at the same time from a data perspective, is we just finished this last quarter and we looked at the data and it's astronomical, it's amazing. But cramming those in kind of inflated the data. So now when we get to the end of this quarter, there's still gonna be growth and improvement. But I think it would be ridiculous to believe that we're gonna see this massive jump that we made in this last quarter just because we compressed all of that. We also can't distinguish between, was it the serial campaign that was driving the traffic or was it the fact that there were new resources and a new story to be told that was that was driving the engagement on the site and getting people to explore it's a balance but but we lost the ability to be able to tell why and build on it and and that's that's disappointing i mean this is one of those things where it's, it's like let's pick apart the thing that went wrong in the middle of the thing that went great but it's still an important opportunity for us to learn no matter how enticed we may be to do it, don't take multiple ideas and campaigns and throw them all together because you think you might make that much bigger of a splash. It's worth stepping back, taking the time to put it out there the right way. There was literally nobody forcing us to do this. We just decided. So the lessons here, don't do it all at once. Put the dev first. We launched pretty, but it didn't really work. Um, take your time. And take your time. And hopefully, you know, we can we can build on this. And we're not going to have this exact same situation again, but I can already think about a couple of campaigns that we have planned for this fall where it'd be really easy to just dovetail them in together and make the same mistake. So something that we have an opportunity to to build on and not have to do a part two episode of we f***ed up. <laughs> I'd agree. I think we deserve a little credit though, because partly this is just kind of the nature of marketing, right? Like obviously we want to be more calculated going forward, but part of it is just jumping in head first and learning from the good and the bad. And that's obviously why we're having this podcast. Absolutely. When you're moving as quick as we do, you're, you're going to make mistakes. And like I said, that's fine, but we do have to slow down long enough to learn from what, where did we have a better opportunity here and what could we have done better? So absolutely. That's what we're going to do. All right. Well, this was maybe the least sexy episode of this podcast so far, but hopefully uh, some, some valuable perspective for people and we'll see you back with uh, whatever the next thing is that happens. <laughs> Recommendations. Are we doing that? Yep. Uh, Christopher, <laughs> you go first. Uh, all right. <clears throat> My recommendation is for a vineyard in Healdsburg, so north of Napa. It's called the Spire Collection and fits great into this podcast because when I first heard about it, I was totally confused as to why you would do this. It is literally a collection of different vineyards all under the same ownership, but they don't share any common names, any common branding in their labeling. You would have no idea that any of these vineyards had anything to do with each other. 
And I asked him about that during the tasting because I was like, why would you take this approach? I feel like you lose any opportunity to have any brand recognition whatsoever. And the answer was actually pretty cool. All of the vineyards that they own are historic vineyards that are on unique estates, um, you know, specific to a region, and they want to maintain that history and the storytelling. And that is more important to them than building some big, easily recognizable empire. And I, I appreciated that as somebody who would much rather find some great vineyard doesn't have to be expensive and get wine directly from them instead of going to the grocery store and buying a bottle off the shelf. So the second part of the recommendation that is so cool is the wine itself was fantastic. They had, they have so many different wines in, in this library that they own from all over the world that they actually ask you before you come, what type of wine are you interested in? What does your palate gravitate towards? And then they build you a unique tasting based on what they think you might like and then add in some different ones along the way to kind of challenge you. It was one of the best tastings I've done in years, probably. And a really unique experience of the beautiful estate, uh, like I said, up in Healdsburg with a, with a fantastic outdoor tasting room. And if you're up that way, Martina... <laughs> Maybe it's one to check out. I had I had a fantastic experience, and I will put their contact information in the show notes. Awesome. I'll definitely take a look. Thank All you right, for that. Since you were so eager, you're up. <laughs> okay, so I'm recommending SodaStream. I have a used bottle right here. Um, so basically, I think we bought it like a month ago, the machine. And I love sparkling water, but it's expensive to buy it. And then I'm like, hmm, let me try SodaStream. So then you buy SodaStream, you can make your own sparkling water. And there's also little uh, bubbly drops. I love bubbly, which is basically sparkling water with uh, flavor. And you just basically do your bubbly water with your sparkling water. And it's amazing. So basically, it's two in one. Love it. That clip is never going to make it on Potomac Couch. All right, Jordan. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to recommend Loki on Disney+. Plus. It's a new show, a Marvel show. And if anybody's watched the first two ones that they put out, uh, WandaVision and then something in the Falcon, I don't remember the name. But those ones weren't very great. They were good TV shows if you want to waste some time and you like Marvel. But Loki is actually, I've really enjoyed it. And it's almost felt like every single episode is like a full-fledged Marvel movie with the effort that they put in with the storyline and how exciting it is and the graphics. So that's my recommendation, Loki. Good. Awesome. Okay. Now that will do it for Build in Public. And we will see you back soon. Bye. See ya. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.